0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
2: Welcome to another episode of My Millennial Property. I am Emily Wallace and I'm joined as always by John Pigeon. How are you going, John?
3: Very well. Actually, outstanding. Emily, how are you going?
2: Outstanding. Good response. I'm fabulous. That's good. We have what we like to call a mixed bag of lollies today of this episode, but I think it's a great way to explain today because we're going to talk through two key things. Number one, being the rich list, which you'll understand further while we're talking about that. And then uh, in the second half, we're going to go through some Q&A from our amazing community who have put questions to us. They've tagged us, they've asked us to answer these questions and we're going to do that for you. But just before we jump into the mixed bag of lollies, my favourites are Milko, by the way, we need to give a shout out to the great man, Sean Wellman. Now, if you're listening to this episode... In the recent mix of episodes, Sean actually came on and did an episode with us, and it honestly highlights how knowledgeable that man is because finance isn't overly straightforward. There's all sorts of complexities in the finance world when it comes to getting a mortgage. So if you didn't already have confidence, which you should have, maybe go back and listen to the episode we did with Sean. But by all accounts, Sean and the team at Wellman Finance are an awesome option to put in the mix when you're considering a mortgage broker for a new loan or for refinancing your current loan. Or if you're in the know about the episode we did, looking at bridging finance, which is a tricky one to tackle. So definitely check that out. Uh, Sean and the team are more than willing to help.
3: They certainly are.
2: Now, the mixed bag. You came to me with something very interesting, John. Yes. That you wanted to talk about today. And I'm all ears because we're talking about the rich list.
3: Yes. Yes. Now- never really excited me, The Rich List, um, but I'm, I'm an avid reader of the Australian Financial Review and every year they do a top 100 Rich List. Now, it came out literally today, so it's hot off the press, although you probably listened to it six months on, but anyway, it's the what's in it and me taking an extract and a comment and a, I suppose a little bit of a rant on on why The Rich List exists and and. To everyone out there sitting around the campfire that we do when we run these shows, it's really a case of just um, calm your farm and I'll get to that bit in a moment. But the rich list um, is Australia's 200 richest individuals and families. Um, totally they're worth $424 billion, which is up from 342 wow. last year. Okay. Now the cutoff to make the 200 club, Is five hundred and forty million, right? So if you haven't got five hundred and forty million, forget it. Okay. Now I was searching for your name, Emily, and I couldn't find it this morning. I I thought I saw a Glenn somewhere, but that um, was.
2: I was going to say, what number (laughs) did Glenn come in at? Because obviously, he belongs
3: on the list. (laughs) He he must be two hundred and one. Maybe watch out for next year. (laughs) But yeah, so five hundred and forty mil was the uh, total worth cut-off figure, which is quite high. But the one that I want to talk about more so is the average age of the rich listers. Now, I'm going to throw it to you, Emily. Has it a guess as mm. to what the average age of those top 200 individuals are?
2: Well, I'm thinking it probably isn't going to be too many millennials featuring in there unless they've been able to grow super quickly, maybe through business or other streams of investment. Yep. My, my guess would be probably sitting around oh, the 70, 75 mark. Okay,
3: good. Well, there are a few uh, young people in there under 40 because oh. of technology and how quickly they've made their money. Uh, but yeah, it's mm. very high. It's, it's actually 66 Okay, so wow. when I was reading that this morning uh, over my Wheat bix I'm looking at it saying, well, we talk to thousands of millennials uh, each year and we love doing it and we're so very passionate and, and grateful for doing so. But we're talking to, let's say, maybe 25, 26-year-old, okay? So I wanted to just quickly say to everyone that, don't lose sight of just how much life we've got left to live because, and and I'm included in this bunch of someone trying to take on the world tomorrow and get the results the next day, Mm. when in actual Mm. fact it's a slow bleed, it's a slow grind um, to financial happiness. Now, this rich list, as I said, means really nothing to me, but it, it just illustrated the fact that, well, yeah, Australia's wealthy um, are turning over or profiting X amount, um, but are they actually enjoying their life? Have they got a good balance of um, of work, life play, all that sort of um, giving? Um, if they have or they haven't, again, it, it's it's that's up to them. But what I wanted to say to everyone today was, well we' if we' if we're listening here saying we're twenty six, twenty seven, thirty, even forty five, even fifty we've still got a good 20 years to create an impact um, in, our, in our financial wealth, right? And I've only seen what's happened in the last 10 years um, in my personal financial situation and a lot can change in 10 years, hopefully for the good. Um, but so if we're sitting there saying, well, I just really want to get that first property or I really want to save um, $50,000, Right, just let it do its thing. You, you there's some little things we can concentrate on, but the fact that I've got a low interest bearing account, right, it doesn't mean a whole bunch now if I can save $40 or make an extra $200 here there or other way. I think we've got to have the eye on the longer prize and and know that it's going to be a slow bleed and we continue to work our way through life continuing to enjoy it, but um Know that we've got time to make an impact to our to our financial wealth. So that that's my rant.
2: I love that rant. I absolutely love it because um, I'm I'm with you there. And I remember a friend said to me once. I'm quite, I guess, philosophical sometimes around these long term gains because I think, particularly, you know, millennials, other millennials that are in our community we thrive off instant gratification and we have become so immune to seeing rewards very quickly for something that we do. But I remember a friend once said to me, and it's probably a saying anyway, like quoted by somebody, but anyway, we'll just roll with it. It was my Emily's friend who said this. If you plant an apple seed to grow an apple tree, you don't get apples tomorrow. And the point of that is that it obviously takes a long time to nurture the the plant, the seed, for it to become a tree to actually bear fruits. And obviously that sort of visual thing of it doesn't happen overnight and there's always this throwaway line of, oh, it's not an overnight success, but there's a lot of truth in that. It's not it's an overnight success 20, 30 years in the making and it's just the point that you got to that you looked back and go, Mm -hmm. wow, I'm in a really great financial position and I'm really happy where I'm at. Um, But it's also always evolving. That's the other thing. You don't actually – feel like there's almost a myth that you reach this point in life where it's like, oh, I've made it now. Mm-hmm. But humans, we're not actually wired that way to be content. Uh, we're actually always striving for the next thing. And sometimes for those of you who are on this journey with us and, and you know, you tune in and, and listening with us, it's about reflecting back on what you actually have achieved because you obviously started at some point with nothing. And now you most likely have something. So it's also looking at that. It is a long-term game and it's always evolving. It's always continuing. But certainly when you look at that average age on that rich list being 66, it's a big timely reminder that um, you you can't be 22 and have it all. doesn't happen Mm. on the most part.
3: Yeah, no, so we've had a double rant now. There's basically been two rants in this <laughs> course of <laughs> 10 minutes. But uh, yeah, look, it's um, it's right. It is the apple tree, isn't it? It's like, okay, I'm going to mm. plant some seeds now that uh, might be our first property or our first lot of shares or, or our, our first interest-bearing savings account, whatever it is, it's irrelevant. But planting it now, knowing that we're going to take the fruits from that in, uh, in in many years to come and hopefully it will keep uh, reproducing, won't it, and, and give us, bear us more fruit um, continuously. But interestingly enough from that list, uh, property was number one as the industry that um, the rich listers came from. So there was about 20% mm. of the top 200 were made up from uh, creating their wealth from property um, in amongst everything else. And I think... Um, Technology was number two, and and probably to come, technology might even end up being number one. But um, generally speaking, a lot of successful business owners they're they're very successful in their own business, but a lot of them have made their money through property. Once they've created the income from the business, they've poured it into property. and And this is a biased podcast towards property, but that that's okay. But um, this this proves it that, that uh, your property is what's giving. Uh, Australia's rich list is the the real wealth, but yeah, whether it's you shooting for half a million dollars uh, in in value as uh, as a rich lister or just wanting to live a comfortable life and knowing you're a house outright, the the where you're going to is totally up to you and and you own it, but just remember that it's a long journey, and you've got more time to uh, to nurture that than you think.
2: hundred percent. completely agree with with that, and I think, the, the key takeaway from our combined rants, as it were, is long-term vision and to appreciate what you have and to to keep striving for more, but don't get too frustrated if it doesn't happen overnight. It's not a thing. Mm. takes time. Now, as promised, this show is a mixed bag of lollies. Yes. So whether you're eating your red skin or, I don't know, your sherby or your snakes along the way, we're going to take a quick break. To mix it up when we come back with some of your questions and answers from the Facebook group, which we so appreciate. So stay tuned, we'll be back with you in a second to answer your questions. Taking your
3: property journey to the next level starts with education.
2: That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps.
3: I've created the Solve Online Academy. Open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space.
2: And I've created The Buying Coach, built from my experience as a buyer's advocate to demystify the confusion around purchasing property, particularly for first home buyers.
3: Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today.
0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch.
1: Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Since two thousand and thirteen, Bombus has donated over one hundred million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness.
2: What is your favourite lolly?
3: Well, I was just thinking that as you said, mixed bag of lollies, and and it's definitely nothing sour. Um, I can't stand sour. Those sour straps, is it that the kids come home with? Mm. Oh, terrible stuff for me. Um, I'm I'm the boring old snake. If I can grab a mixed bag of snakes from Allen's, that's that's me done. What about you, Redskin? No, what did you say? Uh,
2: Milkos. Milkos. Like right. little, mil- <laughs> little milk bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. irrelevant, not related to property, but there you go. If um, you wondered what our favourite lollies were, that's what they are. Yeah. Now, we're going to get into some questions and answers, some quick fire question and answers from the Facebook group. Now, somebody asked, actually AT Tan asked, to granny flat or not to granny flat? That is the question, John. Ooh. Interesting one. What are your thoughts on granny flats?
3: Uh, I, I definitely love them for yield. I think they present great cash flow when you've got dual income, house at the front, granny flat at the back. Generally speaking, you're going to get positive cash flow from that all day long and will only continue to, to have that going forward uh, provided that the vacancy rates in the region continue to be low. So love it from that point of view. Is it a preference of mine if I had the choice to – I suppose subdivide and put up two townhouses um, as opposed to leaving the house at the front and putting a granny flat. I'd probably go the two townies in respect to capital growth um, over, over cash flow. But if, if someone's – and I've got a few clients that are low-income earners um, and I'm saying sort of sub 50000 a year – that have used this strategy and used it very well because that just supplements their income going forward and it helps with their servicing for for further properties so yeah probably um it's yeah personally for me not my number one aim but definitely it's a great strategy if someone wants to implement it what about you
2: Look, I think they, I mean, the term granny flat serves a purpose of having a flat for granny or for a nanny if it's, you know, a family that needs some accommodation for someone who's helping out with care. So I understand their place in potentially the benefit of them if you're living in the property yourself and you need some extra accommodation um, for grandparents or someone extra. As for an investment strategy, having an actual physical investment property with a granny flat at the rear, I agree with you. I would actually rather long-term um, knock it down, build two side by side Side, um, and reap the rewards that way, but I understand this the purpose that they serve um, and the appeal when it comes to even having it as a studio, as a work from home office potentially down the track. There's there's pros and cons to both sides of that one, but mm. um, yeah, the good old granny flat, always a selling point when someone is taking it to market. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, and I think just just finishing on that, there's um, there's a lot of merit now and a lot of maybe appeal for uh, mom or dad. Still in our lives, coming and and living in that granny flat um, as a as a form of accommodation because we can keep an eye on them, we can look after them, we can cook for them, and, and have them on our on our block um, instead of paying huge amounts of money uh, into a retirement village or or something like that. So yeah, there's definitely a, a place to be had from from why they were named in the first place. Um, But uh, a lot of, I suppose, investors are using it for the investment opportunity, not so much to put their mum or dad in.
2: Correct. Yeah, definitely. So thank you to AT Tan for asking that question. Mm. Another question we have comes from Keith Sweeney, and it's related to going off the grid. So my mind obviously there kind of goes to things like solar panels, effective um, use of water tanks for irrigation, and things like that. I guess there's huge benefits in in living off the grid uh, in terms of reducing your electricity bills, um, being more environmentally friendly. Have you personally, or through your clients, John, experienced people who have been more drawn to that way of living, um, and more, I guess, socially conscious?
3: Uh, I haven't through my client base, but I, I've a, got a good friend of mine who actually does live off the grid. Um, mm. In in sort of like a, I don't know, it feels like a, a not a cult, but <laughs> it's a, a group a group of people that have all got um, common. I suppose um, ethics and and want and values and and all uh, wanted to, to create almost like a little community where they all bring something to the party. So they all have an area that they've um, they've built their house on, but they all contribute to that community. And there's a there's a country um, internationally. I can't put my finger on the name of it, but they have a similar concept where essentially everything's equal. Um, it's all. Uh, off the grid, as you say, there's, um, the, the running costs are low. They've, they've got their veggie gardens and they're, they're basically self-sufficient. They've got water, good rainfall all year round, so they don't have to worry about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I quite like it. Like, personally, um, it, it's probably not uh, for me, but I can see why people might like to do it. The tranquility of um, being out there and, and not having the hustle and bustle is definitely an attraction for a, a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, my experience with with the involvement that he's had has has been a pretty good one, um, from the point of view of keeping your running costs down and uh, and just living naturally, I suppose, back back what they did two hundred years ago.
2: Mm, most definitely, I think it's probably a happy medium for some people. In that, I know I've had clients who really favour houses that um, do have solar panels installed that can offset. Their electricity bills, um, and also using those rain tanks effectively for irrigation in the um, in the gardens. So particularly if you're in suburban areas and you can't, you know, fully be off the grid, as it were. Potentially there's some things that you could add to make your house a bit more eco-friendly um, and reduce your costs as well over time. So it's an interesting topic, mm. um, and I think it's evolving as time goes on as well. More awareness around what it means and, and what people can do themselves too. So mm, for sure, interesting one. Thank you to Keith for that question. Now, there's a few questions I'm reading here that, that, to be honest with you, warrant a full episode. Um, So, I'm going to make some special mentions of questions that we will actually come back to um, and make a full episode of. So, for example, there is one around the actual whole buying process. Someone wants to know... What does that entail? Now, I think we have touched on this in previous episodes, maybe not in its entirety, um, but certainly that's a good one. We also have one around the building process, so building permits in the time that it takes, the cost in dollars, so maybe a worked example around that. And we also have some questions around um, the step-by-step guide to building a property portfolio. Now, I'm almost certain that this is something you've touched on in the past, John, in terms of building out a portfolio and what that means. Um, But it's just really good to understand what people want to hear about, to be honest. We appreciate people putting their thoughts forward. Um, Just in closing, there was one other question I thought we could do as a quick fire here, Um, and it was, what happens when contract details aren't met? Stephanie Jamison asks. What happens if you're unable to fulfil fulfill your contract obligations, either vendor or buyer? So I'm assuming this means once you've purchased a property um and it's nearing, you know, the end of what the expectations were. I personally Um, the only thing I have experienced in someone not meeting their their obligation is having to push back settlement, which actually isn't as daunting as it might sound. So um, obviously there's penalty interest that can be involved Mm. and this kind of gets complex in legal terminology, but um, the only thing I've ever encountered personally and professionally is someone wanting to push back a settlement because their finance wasn't sorted on one end or the other. Um, But I don't know, have you had Mm. any cases where the obligations of the contracts haven't been met in their entirety?
3: Yeah, generally it's a time thing, isn't it, where where they need to push back settlement and it's up to the discretion of the other party whether they uh, decide to apply um, penalty interest or not. Um, But unfortunately, if that happens and you have to cop penalty interest, then it's better than losing deposits altogether. So, yeah, that that's probably the only. I, I assume that's what um, she's referring to. Uh, I don't know yeah. whether there'd be another situation. I suppose the the only other complexity is maybe off the plan, like apartment purchases where you've had a contract and and you've signed off on it two years ago, and now this this thing's built, and according to the contract, um, it hasn't been adhered to by the builder or the developer. That's um, maybe another one, but. Generally speaking, mm. the only ones I've had when it's uh, existing is, um, is yeah, ne- needing to push back settlement.
2: Yeah, agree. Certainly on my end is the same. So as I made mention, some of those questions we will actually make into episodes and we will let you know on the Facebook group when they're released and we'll tag you so you know that your question's have been answered over time. Um, But we so appreciate you letting us know what you want to hear about. Um, It doesn't stop there. There's always more questions to be asked. So, if you've had a scenario that you're unsure about that maybe you'd like us to workshop even, um, or if there's questions of terminologies that you don't understand, please put them forward in the My Millennial Money Facebook page. And John and I are part of that as My Millennial Property um, to help you navigate through the wondrous world of property, which can be both exciting and confusing at the same time. Mm,
3: Absolutely. But uh, exciting is a good way to approach it, isn't it? You've got a positive attitude towards getting a result.
2: Yep. we have got to be excited about it. It's an exciting thing and it's certainly something for the long term that remains front of mind for a lot of people. Um, Property is obviously a big topic, hence why we have a podcast just about property.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, And if you do want some buyer's agent help, then Emily is your person in Melbourne. So, yeah, hit her up. She's getting busier by the minute, but I'm sure she'll be able to fit you in if you ask her nicely.
2: People always ask nicely, but yes, I'm (laughs) more than happy to to fit them in and right back at you, John, because I don't service, I only service Melbourne physically myself. Um, So, if you are looking for someone to help you out on the coast, Newcastle and the surrounds, I actually can't wait to get up there soon to come and visit you guys up there and check it out, but certainly right back at you, please hit up, John, if you need any help in that area and beyond. John's actually, just so we can clarify this, John's more so on the investment part of things as well. Like I personally don't really touch investment properties in terms of purchases. I do a lot of homes, but for the listeners out there who are wondering, John is definitely uh, investment savvy and knows a lot more than I do about investments. I learn a lot from listening to what you have to say, John, so I appreciate it.
3: I just come in with less emotion, that's all
2: yeah (laughs) very true very true well i would say that's a wrap for today's episode the mixed bag of lollies you probably all want to go and get a lolly now from the lolly shop so enjoy the rest of your day and we will speak to you soon all right bye
1: we acknowledge the dark and young people Traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward M3.